So good morning to you. Those who heard me speak last time, hopefully, might recall something like this. At the heart of everything stands a community of love which longs to draw everything and everyone into its embrace. That was what I preached about last time. But when I went home, I remembered the story of the vicar and his curate. This vicar was ill, taken ill very early Sunday morning, and he phoned his curate to say that he would have to preach. The curate, of course, had no sermon prepared, but that wasn't a problem. The vicar said, you preach my sermon, it's a good one. Well, the curate indeed did preach the sermon, and the vicar asked for a feedback afterwards. The curate said, it went very well. But I'm rather curious, I noticed that I was preaching, in the margin occasionally, there were the letters S-H-A-W written. What does that stand for? Ah, said the vicar, that stands for, shout here, argument weak. (laughs) And that's what I began to think about my own sermon. At the heart of everything stands a community of love, which longs to draw everything and everyone into its embrace. I began to think about my own experience. It's an experience which involves a considerable amount of pain. I worked amongst the Palestinians, dispossessed and their land occupied. I worked professionally in Northern Ireland, where Catholics were discriminated against for decades in housing and jobs and education. I've worked in Cyprus and I have seen Greek and Turk battle for possession of the same land. I have seen communal pain. And then in almost 40 years as a vicar, I have seen pain of a personal description. I have seen a friend, a person I played rugby with, both his legs shot away beneath the knee by an RPG-7 rocket. On at least two occasions, I've had to go to families of people I knew to tell them that their son or their husband had taken his own life. I have been involved in families where the marriage has disintegrated. I have sat alongside people who have been made redundant, thrown on the scrap heap, and wonder what, if anything, the future holds for them. I have talked to older people in their home who feel that their children now can never find time to come and see them. In my own life, Communally and personally, I have experienced pain. And so I ask myself, where is the community of love I talk about in all this? Now that's my experience. Plainly, I don't know yours. But I'd be rather surprised if your experience were vastly different than my own. One of the very few things I miss as a retired priest, is the day-to-day contact with people I preach to. One of the disciplines I had when I was involved in parish ministry was this. 
as I prepared any sermon, I would look in my diary and I would think about the people I had visited or met in the past week. And I would look at what lay in front of me and I would say, how does this speak to their pain? How is this good news to them? How does the community of love in which I believe passionately involve itself in their life? The answer, of course, is at once simple and profound. The God of love meets the pain of the world in the cross of Calvary. The God of love meets the pain of the world in the cross of Calvary. The cross stands the very heart of the Christian faith. But you see, sadly for us, the cross has become all too familiar. We can take it for granted. Now let's not forget the offence of the cross. For the Romans... The cross was and was intended to be a vile and degrading method of execution reserved for the very lowest of the low, for slaves and rebels against their rule. Cicero, the Roman writer, said that the word crucifixion should not even be mentioned in polite society. The Romans averted their eyes from the cross. The idea that a saviour, a God, could be crucified was abhorrent and ridiculous to them. It's interesting that one of the earliest graffitos found on the walls of the servants' quarter in a Roman villa showed a man on a cross but the head was drawn as that of a donkey. And underneath the words, Alexamenus worships his God. The Romans averted their eyes from the cross and they ridiculed the idea of a crucified saviour. Muslims, to this day, Do not avert their eyes, they turn their backs on the cross. The Quran denies that Jesus ever died on the cross. He only seemed to do. And in the Hadith, the sayings, the traditions of the Prophet Muhammad, it says that Judas Iscariot or Simon of Cyrene took his place. Why? Because Muslims hold that Jesus is a prophet. And no prophet of God could meet such an ignoble and ignominious end. Romans averted their eyes. Muslims, to this day, turn their backs on the cross. But as Christians, well, we are signed with the sign of the cross. We need to glory in the cross. 
And that's what today is an opportunity to do. Today is Passion Sunday. Passion Sunday, it takes its name from the Latin verb to suffer. Passion Sunday is an opportunity, if you like, to forward to Good Friday and to focus on the cross that stands at the heart of our faith. Now, for 2,000 years, the Christian faith has been interpreted in many different ways, and that is no less true of the cross of Christ. What I want to share with you today is one such understanding. It is not the only understanding, but it is the understanding that has helped me most and in times of pain has helped me to hang on to my faith itself. I wonder if you know of a very famous medieval Christian theologian and monk, a man called Abelard. He was a charismatic preacher. The church hung on his words. But then he fell. He had a love affair with Heloise and it cost him dear. He was hounded. And eventually he found himself living with a single servant in a forest. And the story goes that one day they heard this heart-rending cry. And they thought at first it was a child. They rushed out and they ran towards this horrible, heart-rending sound. And they found not a child, but a rabbit. They released it and Abelard held the rabbit in his arm. And the rabbit seemed at last to have found some human kindness in this world. And it looked up to Abelard. And as it did so, it died. And this seemed to break Abelard's heart. He said, I deserve what has happened to me. But what has this poor creature done to suffer in this way? And turning to Tybalt, he said, Is there really a God in this world? Tybalt was quiet. And then he looked around and he saw in the forest glade some trees that had been felled by the foresters. And there was one tree where the rings were exposed. And he took Abelard. He said, Do you see this dark? Here it is exposed. But this very same ring goes from the bottom of the tree to its topmost branches. And so it is, he said, with the cross of Christ. On Good Friday, we see a bit of God exposed. The pain of God on the cross. But he said, that very same pain runs throughout time, from the very beginning to the very end. We see at a moment of time, God 
sharing our pain. But what we see at that moment is what is true for all time. And it says, Abelard felt like kneeling at his feet, for he, the theologian, recognized the truth in these words. I must say, that story has kept my faith in dark times. I have come to see that God is not just a God who, if you like, suffered at one moment in time. But God is a God who shares our sufferings at all times. I need to make a confession this morning. I no longer believe in the God of much traditional theology. The God who is detached. The God who is serene. The God who is impassive. The God who stands aloof from the pain of this world. I need to say to you, I can no longer believe in such a God. But I do believe with all my heart in the God of Good Friday. The God who entered our world and shared our pain, not just at a moment in time, but like the cross-section of the tree, to reveal his nature for all time. You see, I believe in a God who experiences our our pains and who cares for us. So God knows the pain of the Palestinian refugee. So God knows the pain of the abandoned wife. So God knows the pain of the man made redundant. And God knows the pain of the old person who now no longer sees anyone. So how do we finish this? How do we draw this together today? I heard, and it was a long time ago, and unfortunately I don't remember who said it, words that have stayed with me. If you have a false picture of God, the more religious you are, the worse it for you. It would be better if you were an atheist. If you have a false picture of God, the more religious you are, the worse it is for you. You'd be better if you were an atheist. You see, one of the reasons I believe we come to church, one of the reasons we read the Bible, is to cleanse our picture of God. To destroy false images. To tear down idols. To see God as he truly is. As I've got older... I've come to understand and I've come to understand worship as bringing as much as I know of myself into the presence of as much as I know of God. It is 
utterly important that we see God as he truly is. As one who shares our pain. As one who knows our sorrows. As one who carries our grief. For then we do not need to pretend. We can come into his presence, not with false smiley faces, if that isn't how we're feeling. We can come into his presence with our true selves. If we are feeling pain, we can bring pain. If we are feeling battered, we can bring our batteredness. If we feel bewildered, we can bring our bewilderment. Because we come to worship the true God. At the heart of everything stands a community of love which longs to draw us into its embrace. This God of love met the pain of the world on Good Friday. And this God of love continues to meet our pain day by day by day. And this is the God I can worship. This God and no other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be real with you. Help us to stand before you, men and women, as we truly are. And give us the confidence that when we do so, you will accept our pain, for you have known it yourself. That you will show us your care, because you care for us deeply and that you will extend your love and welcome your embrace. In Jesus' name.